Welcome to church, everybody. So glad you joined us this weekend. You glad to be in church? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, what an amazing weekend it's been. If you're joining us for the first time, very, very glad that you're here. And I uh, want to say a big hello to our Hocaston location and to everyone who's joining us online. We are in week two of a series that we've called Idols, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But first, as we head into this fall season, which I know it's hard to believe, it's been 107 degrees lately, so it's hard to believe it's fall, but we are heading into the fall season, and here's what's happening in the life of our church over the next few weeks. I know you've heard a couple of these things already, but just want to make sure you know and kind of know my heart behind them. First of all, as you heard, J-Team Night is coming up this Wednesday. If you're part of our J-Team, make sure you RSVP. Cannot wait to celebrate you and... Uh, we're going to do a little something we've never done before that I'm nervous about. You know if I'm nervous, you should be here. So it's going to be great. Join us Wednesday night. And, and as you heard, if you're not part of our J-Team yet, come to Plugged In at your location uh, today, and uh, we'll help you find your part on the J-Team. And then next weekend is actually what we're calling the soft launch of our Middletown location. So if you are part of our uh, Middletown launch team, here we are. We're just a week out from this, which will be the a week out from... Well, I'll tell you in a minute what it's a week out from, but we'll be practicing next weekend. How many know that you got to practice before you do the real thing? So we're going to practice next weekend. We're going to Saturday, we'll practice set up, and Sunday we'll gather together in Middletown to kind of practice the flow of that. So if you live or work south of the canal, this is uh, your last chance to get on the launch team pre-launch, all right? So to be able to have bragging rights that you were there uh, in the very beginning. So again, you can come to plug in, plugged in, find out more about that. And it's important because the next Sunday is the real thing. So our first official gathering, yeah, we're fired up about this. And uh, if you are new to our church, you're wondering why we're so excited about this. We've been praying uh, for this and working on this for over a year now. And uh, so excited it's finally here, 10 a.m., Sunday, September 24th, we will be gathering at Middletown High School for our first official uh, gathering in Middletown. So I'm very, very excited about that. And by the way, for all of you at our Hocassin location, you've just found out over the past couple of weeks that we are going to two gatherings at Hocassin the same Sunday. So we're just like, let's pick one weekend and do it all. And that's happening the 24th. And then, of course, not only that, but our fall semester of J Groups kicks off the same weekend. And uh, for all of you who are leading a group already this fall, you've registered your group, thank you for that. You are my hero, and uh, I'm very grateful. I'm praying for you as you just create a space, very simply create a space this fall for people to get connected in the life of our church. We love what we do on a weekend, but we know that it's not enough uh, to help people really take steps spiritually, and J Groups help us do that. If you have not registered a group yet, you've got another week uh, to get that registered, encourage you to take that step. So... We kicked off this series last weekend that is really kind of our first series of the fall. We've got some amazing series lined up for the rest of 2023, but we kicked this one off last weekend talking about what happens when we allow good things that God gives us to, to enjoy, things that He places in our lives that have value, bring joy, bring pleasure, bring uh, good experiences into our lives, when we allow those to become things that we start to pursue or protect above everything else, or we lose kind of our boundaries around them, and they, good things become ultimate things. And as I've been preparing for this series, and especially for these next few weeks uh, of messages, man, I have been challenged again and again. In fact, I've had many moments where I thought, God, I don't know if anybody else needs this, but I need this. Because I fall into this trap so often of thinking 
that if I just had more of some good thing, then my life would be complete. I tend to go, okay, when I get here and I get this and I settle that and I resolve this issue, then my life will be complete. And then I settle the the issue, get the thing, arrive at the milestone. And then I'm like, oh no, I need more. How many, how many of us can relate to that? Like, I need, I just need more of a good thing. In fact, have you ever heard the saying too much of a good thing? Anybody ever heard that saying? I don't think any of us really believe it. (laughs) Honestly, I don't think we believe it's even possible to have too much of a good thing. I mean, try this on for size. What's better than a few good friends to choose from to hang out with? More good friends to choose from to hang out with, right? It's good to be able to go down through your contacts and go, no, not this weekend. Yeah, maybe this, you know. Come on, you know you do that. So what's better? More. What's better than a really good one-week vacation? A really good two-week vacation, right? (laughs) Some of us are like, yeah, only had the one week this summer. Thanks for reminding me. If you're in sales, run your own business, what's better than one good month? No, a good year. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. (laughs) Not two good months, a good year. If you're a college student, what's what would be better than $17 in your checking account? Some of you I know have minus $17 in your checking account. We'll talk about that in another series. But what's better than $17 in your checking account? $17,000 in your checking account. Every time. We're not, we're not conflicted about it. 17000 17000 We know just can't get too much of a good thing. And it makes sense that when we don't have a good thing that we desire, we think we need, we're chasing after, we can feel empty on the inside. All of us are familiar with that. If I just had this, then my life would be complete. And it could be a possession, could be a relationship, could be an achievement, could be a a stage of life, whatever it is. But what makes less sense is why, even when we get some of those good things, and a lot of us have, if we were honest, we look back, we've achieved more than maybe we feel like we have in the moment. So why, even when we get those good things, do we still feel so empty? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like we just need more. And the question is, why is that? And to find the answer, we have to go back a long way to a moment from the Old Testament of the Bible thousands of years ago after the Jewish people had been rescued from slavery in the land of Egypt. So this happens About 3,500 years ago, the the Jewish people had been in Egypt for a long time. They initially came as as honored and welcome guests, but over time, the people around them began to oppress them. They became slaves. They were there for over 400 years, and God, in miraculous ways, rescued his people from the land of Egypt. It's one of the most incredible narratives in the Old Testament of the Bible. As God rescues his people, they've left Egypt, and they're going to go to a new place, but in between, they have been wandering in the wilderness for a long time. How many of us have ever found ourselves wandering in between? So the Jewish people, people of God, they're wandering in the wilderness, getting ready to go into a good land that's been promised to them by God. But they've been wandering for a while. And before they take the next step, a man named Moses, their leader, is giving them instructions on how to handle what God is about to do for them. And this is what he says. And now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations. Now, if you're new to church and new to God, maybe you're skeptical about spiritual things, this might be one of your hang-ups with God, is you prefer a God who has opinions and suggestions. But Moses says that actually that God's not a God worth worshiping. The God you have actually has decrees and regulations. I'm going to teach them to you because you're going to need them to take the next step, and you're going to need to obey them so that you may really live. 
come back, so you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. So I want you to notice this. Moses says, God's about to do something really good in your lives. He's giving you this land, and he wants you to enter and occupy it. Now, this is not the main thought of the message today, and typically I am very disciplined about streaming, streamlining everything down to one main thought, but I just can't help but share this with you because I just sense some of us need it, okay? It ties in, not the main thought, but give me two or three minutes. Sound good? You're like, what are we, we going to say, man? You have the microphone. I know, I know, but I'm still asking. Try to be polite. So here, <laughs> here it is. Did you know that there is a difference between entering a season or an opportunity or a relationship and fully occupying it. What do I mean by that? I mean that we can get a job, we can, we can work hard, we can pray, we can believe God, and we can get a job, and we enter the job, but then we start to call it in, we're showing up late, we're leaving early, we're not really a team player, we're in it for ourselves, which means what? We have entered the blessing that God has given us, but we've never taken ownership of it. We've never taken responsibility for it. We're not really occupying it. We can be in a relationship with the right person, but we take them for granted. We start getting really irritable, and we're, we're not really listening to what they're saying, and we're not dialed into the needs that they have and the relationship has. We have entered the relationship, maybe one that we prayed for for a long time, but we're not really occupying it. We're sitting on the sidelines instead of being on the field playing the game. We can enter a new financial place. Our money can increase, but if we just go back to spending everything we make like we used to, we have entered a new income bracket, but we are not occupying it well. We're not managing it well. And the same is true for our faith, for all of us who want to grow spiritually this fall, and I hope that's a goal you have. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, brand new to this, been following Jesus for a long time, everywhere in between, I hope you want to grow your spirituality this fall because you're going to need it out there. I'm just telling you you're going to need it out there. In this world, you're going to need to have a faith that goes beyond your circumstances. So for all of us who want to grow in our faith, did you know you can enter a better place in your faith but never really live it out, never really occupy it, and you can be more frustrated after God advanced you than you were before because you entered but you're not occupying and God says to his people, where I take you and what I give you, I actually want to train you and teach you not just to have the thing, but to learn how to steward it well, to learn how to manage it well, and how to be responsible for what I've given you. You can attend church, but never really engage. But God wants us to enter and occupy. One of the J groups we're offering this fall is called Freedom, and this is what it's all about. It's about leaving behind our Egypt, getting freedom from our past issues and the dysfunctional ways we saw God and ourselves and each other, and then not only entering a new place with God, but learning how to live it out day by day with God in our lives. That's what God wants for us. So Moses tells the people, this is what God has for you. He has a land. He's promised it to you. He has a life that he desires for you. He wants you to really live. He wants you to enter it and occupy it. But before they can, Moses has some instructions. And to start, he reminds them of an experience that they had before this. They had an experience with God at a place called Mount Sinai. So the Jewish people, people of God, wandering in the wilderness, they've left Egypt, they've been rescued by God, they're wandering around in the wilderness, and they come to a place called Mount Sinai, and they camp there for a while. 
And while they're there, God calls Moses to come up on the mountaintop, a true mountaintop experience with God. And God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, the moral law for the people of God. The people who are camped below, they see fire and smoke on the mountain. It's clear God is doing something. But Moses, as he reminds them of this experience, says something very important. Now, you got to stay with me on this. It's going to make sense in a minute. But Moses says, but be very careful. Now, there aren't very many times in the Bible where God's instructions are, be careful. Most of us do not have a problem with not being careful enough. We're too careful. To, we're, we're careful not to trust God completely. We're careful not to go all in with our faith. So God very often is like, stop being so careful. But there is an area where God says through Moses, be very careful. Why? You did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire at Mount Sinai. Now that word form is very important. I'll come back to it in a moment. But first of all, how many of us would say we are careful by nature? Just by a show of hands. All of our locations, how many of us careful by nature? Raise your hand carefully. How many of us are not careful? You know, you took somebody out on the way up. You're like, oh, sorry about the bloody nose, but I just, <laughs> You know who you are. My wife tells me that I fall into the not careful category too often. I don't know how many of you guys can relate to that, but I've, so many times she has quoted Moses, be very careful, because I am not that careful. I just don't think. I have put my family, myself in situations where, so you know, this is dangerous. What? You know, I just didn't. So I'm working on this and I'm trying to be more careful. But Moses is telling everybody that don't be careful when it comes to going all in with God. Don't be careful when it comes to trusting God. But there is an area where we need to be very careful. And the reason is because even in their greatest experience with God, when they saw God at work in a powerful way, they never saw God himself. They didn't see his form because he is not a God who exists in a physical form. In his essence, he is a spiritual being. And so the people of God did not see what he looks like. Now, I know some of you who are familiar with the Bible and, and the teachings of faith know that once Jesus came, we saw a form. But God in his essence, who he is, does not have a form. And Moses tells the people, you didn't see his form. You had a mountain level experience, but didn't see what God looked like. Why does that matter? Because what's so tempting for us as humans is this desire for a form, for something physical, something visible, something tangible to rely on and put our confidence in. in. That's why we have such a hard time believing in God. Now, if you're brand new to this, you can take a pass on this next part. Uh, but for all of us who, who know God, have a relationship with God, you've had experiences with God in your life when you knew he was real. You didn't see him in a tangible way, but you knew he was real. Sensed his presence, had an overwhelming sense like he's real, I know he's real. And then as time went on, you begin to doubt. How many of us have doubted God? Just by a show of hands. How many of us have doubted God? Just by a show of There we go. You begin to doubt. Why? Because you didn't have a form. And your human nature, my human nature, we crave what is observable and measurable and tangible. Come on, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And God says, interesting, because you walk by faith, not by sight. But we're always craving forms, which takes us back to our problem. Why do we still feel so empty even when God gives us good things? Why are those good things 
never quite enough, never seems like enough. Here's why. We were made to know and love a God who has no form, not a form that pretends to be our God. We were made to know and love a God who is beyond what is physical and observable and tangible. It's why we can only come to him through faith. Now, forms are not bad. Forms can point me to God. Experiences, moments, gifts, successes, creation, tangible things can all point me to God, but they can never replace God. And when I begin to turn anything, any good thing in this world and in this life into a little g God, it takes overwhelming priority in my life. I end up empty again. Why? Because I'm asking too much of a good thing. It can't do what I'm asking it to do. And I'm asking too much of it. And this is where idolatry comes from. Idolatry is when we turn a good thing into a God thing. And we begin, we take something that's often a gift from God, but we, we begin to attach too much importance to it. Our identity begins to depend on it. Our self-worth begins to depend on it. If it's doing well, we're doing well. If it's not doing well, we're not doing well. So I was somewhere recently, I was at a doctor's office, and there was a TV on the wall, and it was playing TV. Do you guys remember TV? Used to be a thing where TV would play TV. You didn't rewind it or fast forward, it's just like TV. Back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. So this TV was on, and it was, it was like a live broadcast. Anybody know what a live broadcast? Your gran- ask your grandparents. So live broadcast. I don't know why doctor's offices have never caught up. But anyway, there was this pop star, and she was performing uh, in front of a large audience, mainly of uh, students. There were some other kind of demographics, but mainly students, mainly female students in this particular case, high school, college students, and they were just going nuts, you know, like any concert would, and then she came out into the crowd, and she met some of her fans, and there were a couple of moments, uh, there was like this one young woman that this pop star met, and this, this teenage girl was like, <gasps> you know, she could I can hear my wife. Be very careful. Um, <laughs> uh, but she was just, I thought she was going to hyperventilate. I was like, is somebody calling 911? <laughs> and I know some of you are mad at me right now because you're like, I was at that concert. You know, like, don't get mad. That's just an extreme example. But the truth is, we have been doing this for thousands of years. This is like a human story. We show no signs of letting up. We turn our jobs into gods. You say, how do you know when your job is a god? Well, God, capital G God, is the only one who is always present. So for all of us who can't turn work off, work has become our God. Because only God is qualified to be always present. Super quiet in here, but it's true. It's true. We turn relationships into gods. I don't know what I would do if they left. This relationship defines me. We turn kids into gods. You can have whatever you want. Oh, go ahead. Swing from the lights in the family room. Just, what do you need, sweetie? <laughs> Everybody okay? <laughs> Some kids are like, you messing with my jam, man. I'm not. 
We turn college degrees into gods. We turn money into a god. We turn weekends off into a god. We turn our car into a god. You say, how do I know you use two parking spots? That is the telltale sign. If you use two parking spots, it's a god. You might as well go down and be like. Turn our house into a god. Turn our hobbies into gods. We turn our privacy into a God. No one's going to infringe on my, don't mess with my personal space. Don't ask too much of me. The list goes on and on. You say, how do you know in all of those instances that it's become a God? It's simple. A God is anything we can't go very long without and can never seem to get quite enough of. Anything in our lives we can't go long without and never seem to get quite enough of has become a God. Which is why Moses tells the people to be very careful. Listen to what he says. Do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form. There's that word again. Whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground, a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. Now, I know for a lot of us, we might be thinking, hey, that is not hard. If that's all God asks, I can do that. I am not really tempted to worship any small animals right now. <laughs> have not been bowing down to my goldfish, man. And when I see the moon, I'm not like, oh, moon. Yes, these are the forms that made sense to these people 3,500 years ago. But if you zoom out, it's, this is the stuff that was tempting to them. It's not tempting to us. I promise you, if the world still exists 3,500 years from now, people will look back and go, <laughs> you spent how much time on your phone? <laughs> what? That's as silly as a small animal scurrying around the, on the ground. This is just their stuff. I promise you, we have our stuff that we are tempted to worship. And zooming out, notice what Moses says. He says, don't corrupt yourselves by making an idol. When we put our attention on forms, our image, things, achievements, statuses, desires, eventually, like a virus on a computer, they begin to infect every file in our operating system. And they corrupt us. Good things. When they become God things, become bad things. And they turn us away from the God who created us. And if you read the Old Testament of the Bible, which I encourage you to do, even though I know it can be hard to read at times, it's part of the story of God. And if you read it, you probably have been struck by how many times the people of God go back to idolatry. Ever had that thought? Like, what is wrong with these people? God says, don't do it. And they're like, okay, oh, squirrel. Small animal that scurries along the ground. They're like, oh. And you're like, what is wrong with him? But the truth is, we do it too. The objects of our worship may look different, but it's the same trap. When we turn a good thing into a God, into an idol, something we can't live without and can never seem to get enough of, eventually it corrupts us. That misplaced priority works its way through the operating system of our lives. And just like any virus, it deletes contentment. It erases joy and eventually leaves us empty, and it doesn't make sense. And some of us are right there. You have more letters after your name than you did 10 years ago, and it's not enough. You have more things parked in your garage than you did 10 years ago, and it's not enough. You have a higher title than you did 10 years ago, more followers on social media, more money in your 401k, and it's not enough. It will never be 
enough. We're asking too much of a good thing. It can't do it. It just doesn't have the capacity. Only God does. And what ends up happening over time is we get seduced. That's the word Moses uses, which I think is a very telling word. Stuff flirts with us, drops little lines, tells us how good we look that day, draws us in. I can fulfill your needs. I can make you complete. I can take care of all the shame and regret you feel from your past because if you just had this status or this net worth or this circle of friends and you wouldn't feel any of that, it seduces us and it draws us in and a good thing becomes like a God in our lives. And you know the reality? Here's the, here's the reality. God actually is not trying to keep us from good things. Some of us have this misunderstanding of God like he's up there going, oh, did you just have fun? Did you just have fun? That's not God. God isn't trying to keep us from good things. He's trying to keep us from the lie that those good things can ultimately fulfill us. Because he loves us. Your God does not like to see you this empty. He meant for you to be full. And he just knows that the good things we're chasing after cannot fill us up. And if you don't know God in a real way yet, if all this is new to you and you're trying to figure out what you believe, God loves you so much he gave his son Jesus for you so that you could have a relationship with him, so that you could know him in a real way, to fill the emptiness. And that is the only way the emptiness will ever be filled. That's the truth. And for all of us who know God, God is inviting us because there are some of us, we have left Egypt behind. We, we have put our faith in Jesus, but in some ways we've been wandering for a while and now God's saying, hey, I want you to enter a new place in your faith where you leave behind the idols of your past and you begin to fully occupy what I have in store for you. And he wants to give us good things in his time and his way. In fact, many of the things that we are tempted to place above God the reality is the Lord your God gave them to all the peoples of the earth. They're not bad. They're not wrong. They're just not God. So enjoying good things is not idolatry. And that's the other side of the equation. Some of us maybe grew up in a religious environment where it's like, don't, have, don't enjoy yourself. No, that's not true. Enjoying good things is not idolatry. Enjoying a good meal does not mean that we worship food. Come on, how many of us are grateful for that? Does not mean we worship food. God gave that, that to the peoples of the earth. Enjoying being with our friends does not mean we worship our friends. God gave that to us. Enjoying a few days off does not mean we worship time off. Enjoying our family or our job or our possessions or our hobbies does not mean we worship them. God gives good things to us. Idolatry is when we're asking too much of a good thing. You say, how do I know? When you can't live without it and you never seem to have quite enough of it, then it's not a good thing anymore. Become a God. So what's your next step this week? It matters because idolatry is lived out through a series of habits. It may look like someone just begins worshiping idols or misplacing their priorities overnight, but it's actually a process. It doesn't happen overnight. We're seduced. We're drawn away. The good news is, 
following Jesus works exactly the same way, just in the other direction. No one follows Jesus fully overnight. It's a process. And it's a series of habits that put us in a place where we can really understand what it looks like to love and trust the one true God. So how do you live in a world full of so many options that are vying for your attention and your worship and your devotion and your trust, but not bow down to them? Here's the answer. Moses says, here's how you avoid worshiping idols. Remember that the Lord rescued you. So simple, so important. Remember that the Lord rescued you in order to make you his very own people and his special possession, which is what you are today. How do you make sure you're not asking too much of the good things in your life and you're keeping God front and center in your life? You remember that the Lord rescued you. From what? From an empty life of not being able to live without fill in the blank of never feeling like you have enough of fill in the blank the Lord rescued you from that life and the way we avoid falling into the trap of modern day idolatry is to remember who our rescuer is it's not our jobs not our reputations not our friends, not our families, not our finances, not our spouses, not our degrees, not our social skills, not our resumes or titles, not our cars or clothes. The Lord rescued us through Jesus Christ who died and rose again for us. He rescued us. He made us new. He gave us life. He rescued us. Only He could do it. And He did. He rescued us. And the reason he did it, we just read these words, the reason God rescued us was in order to make us his very own, his special possession. Now, for some of you, that may not, that may not land well with you at first. You think, I don't know about being God's possession. Like, are you saying God is possessive? Yes. You say, well, that's not healthy. Like, it's not healthy in any other relationship. It's not healthy to be possessive. Oh, absolutely, you're right. It is not healthy for any broken, imperfect human being to be possessive. But when it comes to the God who created us and loves us, trust me, you want to belong to Him. There's safety in belonging to Him. There's security in belonging to Him. God, I am your possession. I belong entirely to you. Something powerful about that. And that's how you avoid idolatry. That's why no good thing can ever replace God in your life. You say, but I need this thing. I need this career. I need this relationship. Can I just tell you today? You're asking too much of a good thing. And you're headed toward a very empty life. It'll never be enough. Some of the emptiest people I've ever met are the people who arrived only to discover it was the wrong destination. So let me ask you again, what's your next step this week? Because following Jesus is 
lived out through a series of habits that help us do what Moses says here. Remember that the Lord rescued us. And your habits right now are the biggest thing over time that are either drawing you further away from God, your God, or pulling you closer to your God. So what are your habits? You remember that the Lord rescued you when you gather like this. So come back next weekend. And let me just take a moment for all of you online. I'm so grateful we can stream this online. If you live outside our region or you're not able to get here physically, you're, you're at work, whatever it may be. But I would challenge you, if you live within 30 minutes of one of our physical locations this fall, to show up in person. Because there's something about being in the room with the people of God, being reminded who rescued us. Now, don't turn church into God. It's not God. But gathering like this is a habit that reminds us who God is. And I promise you, as long as I get to serve this church, we will remember who it is that rescued us. So let's gather together. Invite someone to come with you. Let's make this a place where weekend after weekend, it's a reset every week. Oh yeah, I remember who rescued me. The world is yelling loudly in my ears, but I remember who rescued me. Connect in a J group this fall. Get around some people going the same direction spiritually because they'll help you. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. They'll help you see where good things in your life are becoming like a God to you. And they'll help you grow. Serve on the J team because nothing reminds you of who rescued you like playing your part in God rescuing someone else. It's a powerful thing. It's a habit. It'll draw you closer to God. Give your first. Be faithful to God. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're not, you can take a pass on this. But if you are a follower of Jesus, can I just lovingly stop debating every pay period whether or not God is going to be first in your life. Make the decision once. God is first in my finances. Fear is not my God. Money's not my God. Anxiety's not my God. God is my God, and He will provide everything I need according to my riches in Christ Jesus. I'm going to put Him first. I'm going to be faithful. That's how you remember the Lord rescued me. And above all, every day of your life, I'm challenging you, Journey, this fall, every day of your life, every morning you wake up, remember who rescued you. It's not that job you're headed to. It's not that role you have in your home. It's not what's parked in your driveway, or what's sitting in your bank account, or what's waiting for you on social media. The Lord rescued you. Put him first. Don't ask too much of the good things. And if you receive that today, week two of the series, if you would say, I receive that as God's word to me, all of our locations, would you lift your hand, just hold it up high, come on, boldly. I need that in my life. My hand is raised. Online, you can do this right where you are. Just lift that hand up toward heaven. And let me pray it over us. Open up your heart to God with me. Father, we come to you. And in our hearts, we bow down low before you. Humbled before the God who rescued us through Jesus. God, we turn our full attention back in your direction. This is a moment for you where you can even get personal with God. Just name that good thing. God, I take this thing. That's a good thing. But it's just, I've lost perspective. I've been too obsessed with it, too worried about it, too fixated on it. Jesus, I look at you again. 
my rescuer. Do your work in my life. And while you let God speak to you for a moment more, listen, all of our locations online, listen very closely. Maybe you can relate to the emptiness I described earlier. And if you were honest, you had, you had set something in your mind that if, if you got there, if you got that, you'd be complete, you'd be happy, you'd be fulfilled. And it didn't work, and, and now you've set something else. And if you were honest, you're in a cycle. The reason it'll never be enough is because it can never be enough. Nothing in this life, nothing in this world can complete you and fulfill you. Only the God who created you can do that. And the way to know that God is to put your faith in Jesus. He died for you, rose again for you so that you could know God and you could really live. And if you wanna take that step today, I'd love to lead you in a very simple prayer. You can begin following Jesus. So everyone again, just open your heart up to God with me. And if that's you today, you want to take that step in our physical rooms online, whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. Jesus, today, I'm turning to you. I believe in you. Give me the power to turn away from my old life by faith. Forgive my sins and fill me with your presence so I can follow you. And if that's you, while everyone around you stays focused on God in this moment, this holy moment, if you would say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus today, would you lift your hand, just hold it up boldly all over the room, New Art Podcast, and hold it up high online. You can type the word faith in the comments, whatever platform you're on. Putting my faith in Jesus. It's amazing. And then Journey, would you help me? Let's give Jesus all our praise and all our thanks. He deserves it. Thank you.